Hello and welcome to episode two of the Sales Syndicate podcast. Uh, I'm going to host this week. Uh, I'm Ellis Campbell. I'm the head of enterprise here at Selligent. And I'm joined by my colleague, Nick Biffin, who's the uh, head of sales. How are you doing, Nick? Very good. How are you? I'm good. Apart from, for those who can actually see the YouTube video, I have got a shockingly terrible mustache for November. So, uh, doing my bit for the podcast listeners, you're very lucky you don't have to, uh, to see quite a bit of that. Um, but other than that, I'm very good. Um, It'll take me about 10 years to grow. <laughs> so, um, this week we're going to be talking and discussing cold calling, uh, tactics that work well from our time in sales, from managing sales teams, and just generally how we see that working moving forward as well. You know, there's a lot of people out there at the moment discussing, you know, is cold calling dead? What's the best way to move forward? So, I thought who better to bring on than the man who's literally wearing the seat of people who are doing that? pretty much day in, day out. So uh, maybe as a good starting point, you know, how have you found it, especially maybe in the last sort of few months? Uh, have you started changing it? Is it something you still believe holds a lot of value? 100%. I, I probably start right at the bit. It absolutely drives me crazy the amount of people saying Coco is dead. Um, I think, you know, sales was born of it. It was started on it. I mean, there's a million and one John Balfour podcasts out there that people can listen to his videos, but it's born of it. And actually now, you know, people that are sat there, you know, sending their sequences, relying on those day to day, there's tons of firewalls and things that are now stopping actually those getting into the person you actually want them to be. Ultimately, phone number can't do that. It's, you know, start from floor one. The amount of people actually that you've sold to last six, seven, eight months, you say, oh yeah, cold calling is dead. And I will say to the guys, you know, ask them back there, how have we done this deal? It's always from a cold call. So I think, yeah. I think quite often they're not, they're, they're kind of put back a little bit by that and you know, maybe the real realisation is made for it. Yeah, it's, I, th- I think it's quite interesting because I, I think the days when I first started out my sales career, I literally just had a list of companies and go around and try and call through to them and offer your services. Maybe to an element that side is maybe not dead, but it's, it's, it's quieter, it's harder. Because I think it's a lot harder to get through switchboards and numbers. But I think maybe it's just the way you do it that, that's changing. You know, instead of it, I don't think cold call is dead. I, I just think that just going there with very little research, calling someone and just product them is dead. Um, I mean, what are you seeing with the team? I mean, I imagine you can't put many demos and just go in and feature them. I think maybe a lot of that comes from doing your homework, making it relevant, but you know, they probably do a lot more cold calling than I do these days. So it's you know, it's a difficult one. It's you know, everybody has their own tactics, everybody will try stuff, but you know, it's not it's not one size fits all. It's not like you're gonna bring Joe Blobs down the road and then, you know, bring Melanie, I don't know, Sharp down the other and you're gonna have the same conversation. It's it's crazy, like, you know. I think the real part of it, ultimately, from the start, and let's be honest, cold calling can be pretty miserable at times. We've all been there, and you, yeah. you want to go home, and you're thinking, right, when am I getting my next beer? But you know, ultimately, have fun with it. I think is is the biggest thing that often people forget about. You know, sales isn't hard. That's why it's lucrative. That's why people enjoy it. And that's why you know, generally sales, you know, leaders they want people that have got competitive backgrounds or Certainly competitive edge because it can be miserable, but you know, ultimately, the cold calling is the face of it, it's the heart of it, it's where you build up that prospect, that opportunity base. You've got to enjoy it, and I think sometimes 
challenges, it's like, okay, how far can I push this person? Like, <laughs> can, can I almost push them to the brink? And, you know, what can I get out of them? And I think often it's, it's that fear of somebody picking up the phone and thinking, oh, I don't know, you know, how are they going to react or so forth. You know, you might have people that, every day, I think that was two people in my team today, they were told to fuck off when they picked up the call. But at the end of the day, have a conversation with them, have fun, and just, just push it, see how far you can go. So what would be your words of advice for someone who's maybe newer into sales, where, you know, they haven't had the years of experience of cold calling, where they've learned, you know, how to, not how to be resilient, but they've had those knockbacks, they've had lots. If you could, like, give somebody who's trying to motivate someone pretty new into sales, they'd be like, just have the courage to go through and do it. What tips would you give them? Because first of all, it's traction, trying to make their cold calls more successful. What tips would you give someone who's maybe they really struggle to do it? They're, they're spending a lot more time doing research and the admin and trying to be strategic, but not because they want to be strategic, because ultimately you know, they're a little bit scared of what will they pick up and just get on that phone. You know, how, would, how would you manage that? So I think the biggest like, tendency is, and I've, I've probably been guilty of this in my past, but you, know, you want to sit there first time on the phone, it's like, okay, you know, what does this business do? You know, what are they doing as an organization? What, what, their expertise, you know, where, where are they selling into? And you try to do so much research on them, it's almost then you're almost more frightened to then make that call because you're like, what happens if I get something wrong? You've put like loads of pressure yeah. on yourself because you've gone, well, I've just spent 15 minutes researching this company. What if I muck it up now and actually get through to the decision making? I've just wasted all that time. Well, the best of all, you spent 15 minutes, you call them, they don't answer. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that's probably more likely than, uh, than anything else. But um, no, I mean, I, I think you've raised, uh, raised a good point there. I think sometimes as salespeople, we can, we, we always don't, we don't really call out. I think the main thing with cold calling is people always, the main concern and worry is you always worry that you're being made to look stupid and ask you something you don't know. They can come with some sort of pushback that you can't overcome but the, the irony is the more cold calls you do the more you go through it regardless of whether something gives you the difficulty sometimes you need to give them give you that objection so you can go away discuss internally chat to the person next to you go on you know, just a bit of pushback how do i how do we get around that what can we do sometimes you need to have those cold calls and get those objections and then learn to to overcome them so the irony is that the more you shy away from it the harder it becomes the longer you leave it Whereas I think sometimes you, it's, you know, it's always a bit of a numbers game. Go through, call other people. Someone's going to go, Look, I'll give you a fair crack and whip it. You know, give me your elevator pitch, tell me what you do and, and see what happens when we go through it. But um, yeah, it's, um, it, it's interesting. I mean, how much time would you suggest people do? You know, when, you, when you've got the team, also we've got lots of tools and tech that really helps for, for doing that. But how long would you ideally want someone to be maybe researching the company before they go out and, and make that call call? Simple answer is I, I probably wouldn't. At the end of the day, like during your prospect time, that's where you're going out. You're identifying those businesses, and it's they're going to fit. Our products can fit into their business in terms of the verticals that they're then selling in or, or how they're working. The ultimate part is you've done that. You know, you that's why they're in your prospect list to go after. Actually, you know where the real belief comes from is that SDR, the A, whatever then having the belief that the product they've got is then fitting a need, or there is potentially a need within that business. Once they've prospected, there's no reason why we can't absolutely kind of pummel through, you know, the dials or, or the prospects that we've got to reach out to. 
Your product is there. Your product is, in most cases, yes, it might have a couple of different use cases, but it's doing one job. So I guess what you're saying there is rather than just having a long list, so I, I sell to a financial service, he is a long list of them. I guess what you're saying there is when you're actually sorting out your prospect list, whether it's the day before you go to do it or in your downtime, you're, you're doing a normal sort of like in market mapping, whatever it is, is making sure that you've got ICPs there because then ideally you don't have to do loads of research because you generally know well, actually our product fits their market, their specifications. So when I get them a call, it's very unlikely I'm going to get called out for something because I know that market, that segment, because that's why they're my ICP, it's why they're my ideal customer. Um, I think that there's also the other part as well, and I think you, you know, there's always a tendency where you're taught as young, you know, no means no. It's not that at all, and I think it's, it's understanding, one, who is it you're approaching, and actually what are their pain points. You know, if they're a CMO, then they're going to have very, very different pain points to if they're a COO or a CIO or even a CEO. But actually, when you're then reaching out, also understand actually what time they have. You know, if you're likely talking to a CEO that's probably running around like a blue-ass fly, trying to raise funding, they're trying to manage the business, trying to build outside relationships, chances of them being on the phone to somebody who's trying to pitch on the product for 10 minutes is, well, it's, it's nil. But actually, you know, can you cut right through the bullshit, right to the front, and say, this is what we do. Appreciate it's not your agreement who's going to be best to speak to. Oh, it's actually probably my MD or probably something else. However, on the flip side, if you're ringing a head of, or you're ringing somebody and you're doing more of a bottom-down, uh, sorry, top-down, bottom-up approach, and you're ringing somebody at desk, they're going to have more time to speak to you. And it's sort of understanding those different pressures and who you've got to cut to the chase with as well. Outside of that. I think you've, you've, for me, you've hit the nail on the head. If I, you know, I, I've done lots of cold calling my time. I still, I still do now when we're working with the team and we're going through it. I mean, for me, it's, and you even get this, even if you interview for any sales job, the thing is, you know, who have you sold to at the C-suite? Who have you got through? Talk me through a deal or an opportunity you've worked on where you've influenced and convinced a CTO to jump into a call. And the honest transparent truth is, I don't always get through to the CTO. It's, it's not always feasible. And so that top-down, bottom-up approach for me is, is really powerful because, Okay, if I can get at the C-suite, and as you said, if I can speak to them for a minute and then get the time and then you know, make it really relevant and find a perfect use case and get it, great. But that's really hard to do. Sometimes being able to talk to that, that AE level, that slightly, you know, hopefully still someone who's got a bit of sway and influence, being able to talk to them, you can work your way up and level up towards that basically the combined persona that we want to try and target and go after. And then my favourite my favorite story I've got for examples of being consistent with cold calling and doing that top-down, bottom-up approach. I remember I was trying to sell to, uh, it was a, I think it was a bank in somewhere in Europe, I can't remember exactly where now. I, I managed to speak to someone who's head of the applications, talked to him through the service offering I was managing at the time. He basically told me, no, not interested, you know, don't come back. I said, next year, do you want to brief pick to No, not interested in it. Okay, fine, fair enough. Here's a wine and dine. Well, yeah, no, I could have, could have given up then. Could have gone, do you know what? Well, yeah, that's spoken to the person. He manages the applications. Oh, you know, so they probably not buy it. Um, we just kept going. I only had this account. I had to keep sticking with it. You know, it was one of the moments on my list. They're going, right, you know, don't be single-threaded. And at the time, I'll be honest, I was reluctant to believe it. I was like, I was speaking to the head of applications. He's not going to talk about it. But anyway, I persisted on, because that's what I was told by my sales director at the time. He was very right on this occasion. 
And then I managed to, to call through and speak to um, someone else in the business, a different arm. They put me in touch with um, CTO, who head of applications reported into, uh, and the other subdivisions are reported into. And then managed to convince him to, to get on by. And actually on the closing call, where we worked through what the project was going to look like, had to sit there with the actual head of application who told me no on the call with me. How sweet was that though? It's good, but I couldn't be too smug um, because at the same time, they're still an influencer, so I still don't want them to, you know, behind the scenes, they you know, potentially work away at that deal. Um, but I think sometimes we can be a little bit single friendly to salespeople. So like for me, if I was going to have one tip for cold calling, it's just persistence and sticking within and to not be single threaded and target just one persona. Make sure you're, you're influenced in different areas. Um, and just the last point as well on that as well is that if you're really single threaded, you might build a great relationship that guy said, you know what, I'm going to get budget in two months, I love this, it's great. He goes on garden leave uh, or he goes off field uh, or they have a change um, in, the, in the business and all of a sudden that person you've built a relationship with is gone. And you're back to square to square one again. So, yeah, I, I think persistence and, uh, and, and being multi-threaded is probably quite a key, a key part within that. Yeah, a good one. Persistence, 100% is always, always the word to use. And I think the amount of people that forget they're actually only talking to people. Yeah. Like, <laughs> you can catch somebody on a bad day, you can catch somebody who's just been in a meeting to fire half his team or, you know, whatever that may be. Actually, you know, if you catch them at the wrong time, yeah, you, you might get a bit of a nasty bite back. But ring them another day, they may be absolutely fine. I think sometimes there's enough fear that oh, I can't speak to them again. They, they weren't too pleasant last time I spoke to them or whatever it may be. Everybody has bad days. And certainly have so many. thick skin, isn't it? I mean, what's the worst? My, my opinion is, what's the worst thing happened? I call him up, I call him up, he or she up again. And, they're not particularly happy with me again. It's like, right, well, that's fine. Until they have I say, you know, and it's funny stuff, maybe if there are any prospects out there that's listening to this podcast, that's probably what I'd say. If, unless, if they don't give you definitive timeframes and they don't really kill or kill you off, it's our job to keep them persistent going through. If someone turns around, no interest, or do you know what, I'm working ready for this for three months. As salespeople, we, the good salespeople, should be pretty good. They'll check back in three months, or if they know there's absolutely zero chance, they're not going to waste their time and effort there as well. I mean, where you can have times where you've got to keep going is when you get those individuals going, or oh, not right now, or when, when do you want to do it? Yeah, just I'll let you know, I'll come back to you. It's always better to be told no. Have a definitive answer, a yes or no, rather than being strung along for months. Well, it's like that meme, isn't there? So you're telling me there's a chance. Every time you do it, you always hang on to that. That little bit of hope with it. But, uh, I mean, yeah, I, th I think persistence and fixing, I mean, it goes without saying, I know that that's a, a class, a bit of a cliche for sales, but I think it's one that you can really easily overlook when you actually don't just say it, put it into action in terms of, right, I'm going to be persistent, I'm still going to call this person back, or I'm going to, you know, even though I'm talking to this person, I'm going to have the courage to go over and talk to a different person. You know, they might get back to that person who's pied me before, that they are trying to sell us a different part of the business or going above them. But I mean, ultimately, the worst that can happen is another contact tells you know, and you're in the exact same position you was. But the upside is you might find an opportunity, you might find a way in, um, and then you can have a good story to then share on a podcast in the future. So it comes in, comes in quite a <laughs> <laughs> I, I remember actually, it was uh, in an uh, organization that I was with, but it was always. Um, 
basically as Celsius, it's like going for a beer on Friday, come back into the office, and then you sit there and let other people pick which clients you had to call. Yeah. So it was always they pick it and say, okay, who's the worst client? It'd be like kind of this, they'd be like, I'm cool. And they'd sit there and everybody would surround you and see how you got onto it. But it was always actually great fun, but I'll tell you what, hell of a, uh, hell of a confidence builder. Because where you actually start to turn, then turn those people around, it was, you got to, you like, actually, I can speak to anybody here. Well, I know I had some very, very, very <laughs> rough ones. The thing is, that obviously, that's quite a salesy way of doing it. But like, what we're actually doing there is, is holding, they're holding you accountable. Like, if you're sat there and you're managing your own time and your own list of prospects, you're going, right, we go back over the ones we think we're going to have the nice, warm, fuzzy conversations. We do shy away from those ones you go, oh, this person's going to be an absolute nightmare. I know it's going to be really difficult. But sometimes the best thing you can do is just to maybe just have a day where you just go in and do all the difficult conversations you go through and have it. And then I think the big thing that doesn't always happen as well is just actually listening back and learning from it. So, I mean, when you have reviewing, a process, reviewing the deal process, like, but yeah. I think just going back to that point is actually, quite often, the people that are most upfront, most confrontational or corrupt, are the people you're generally doing quicker deals with. The people that are fluffy and milling around in the background, they're the people that are going to drag you out even months and months. I, I don't mind so blunt because as long as I know my stuff and I know that what I'm trying to tell them is right and it's a good fit, they can be as blunt as they want because you'll have an answer to their questions. It's when you've got the one that maybe isn't the ICP and they're a bit blunt and then you're scouting around the edges where it becomes becomes difficult. Um, but I, I definitely think that the learning thing, the sessions I used to hate when I was, uh, when I was first joining out, I was largely trying to sell to NHS trusts and councils and calling around, like, you know, notoriously difficult businesses, you know, low amounts of money, hard to get into. They go, right, we're do a call listening session. And I know my managers there, I know my colleagues there. I would always pick a call that was pretty good, but I needed a bit of help with. I was, I'd never go and go, do you know what? Here's the one I had an absolute nightmare on where I really mucked it up and had all these issues. But I should have done because ultimately the only way you're going to learn is to get that, you know, if you've got six of you listening to a call, you've got six different people's opinions and perspective on it. So I think for anyone who's, whether they've been a more experienced cold caller, whether they've been doing it all their life, whether they're like us now, where we're heads of our own departments, but we still get involved with the team and do it. I mean, you, you're never too big to go and sit down and actually have other people review and sit back on your calls. If you, if you think you're going to finish article, then that's probably where you stop improving. Yeah, as I said with the guys now, we'll go into a room, do back-to-back calls, they do one, I do one, stick on loud speaker, challenge each other. Yeah, how many demos can you book? You know, it's there because, one, I think if you enjoy sales, you enjoy it. and probably elements of you miss, like day to day. But ultimately, stuff always changes as well, as she said, like, never finished down school. Ultimately, Christ, the market shifts like there's no tomorrow as well. We've just gone from everybody hunky-dory and all going swimmingly well, suddenly into a recession inside really three months. I read a thing earlier saying they're now on about the deepest recession that could last three years. Market switches so quick, but then with that, the picture's got to change. Your approach, it's probably likely as well. Thing the other day, actually, saying how um, deal sizes at the moment have dropped and deal processes are getting longer because of the market. These are all things you've got to adapt to, take into account the way you're actually then approaching your prospects and what you're doing. You've got to start to think around that in terms of how you position it as well. 
I couldn't agree more. I mean, the, the market, everything changes, right? And I think that's why, even as sales leaders, I think like you can only really coach people and give them advice about cold calling if you're still in the trenches. Like what, what might have worked three years ago for me when I'm doing it might be completely irrelevant. It might be new technologies, different, different pushback for completely different times. So I always think that the moment you start taking a step back and you start getting your hands dirty and going in and doing that, whether it be your own accounts or admin, you will get involved in the team, will help them do it. I think when you stop doing it, it makes it so hard to then manage and direct other people and say, right, you need to be cold calling, this is what you need to do. When unless you're actually doing it, you're in the trenches, you know what it's like, you're not necessarily the best person to be telling them that. And that's why when we get new people into the business, for me, they will do cold calling, I'll help them, I'll train them, I'll tell them what I think I can say, what I can push. The best person to get on with is me. It's let's go and get our best performing SDR, who's just gone and put 20 meetings in the last two weeks who is probably far better than me and you are because they're, they're doing it in day in, day out. You, you've got to be, you want to be good, you've got to surround yourself with good people and let them learn from, from people like that. <laughs> I'm just thinking back to small stories then. Perhaps <laughs> uh, not, but no, um, yeah, no, it's, uh, you know, it's never changing market. It's always interesting to you know, keep on top of it. But, you know, the amount of people I don't think you know really pay attention to the news and think how can they do that and fit that into conversations. It's probably a big part actually of missing out. You know, people that are not confident to make a call or think actually, you know, how can I come across as let's say a more experienced sales person if if they're new into the role? There's a lot out there to help you that you can then talk about. You're ringing you know, directors or CXO level. Whatever that may be, these people are, you know, staying up to date with that kind of information. That they know what's happening in the world. So actually, that can often spark a conversation. It leads you right away from the product and why you're actually calling. Yeah. But actually, they'll be more engaged in the conversation then because well, it's, it's like they're having more of an in-depth and along their minds. I think. Yeah. Again, that, that, I think it's that reasonable saying. I don't think cold calling is dead, but I think cold calling without purpose or a reason is dead. Yeah. Um, so, like you said, if you can find something relevant, something in the news that's going on in the industry. Brilliant, you can find something about the company. Oh, just, just think you've partnered up with this company here. Actually, I've, I've, I've found that this is out there. And this has worked well with other companies that have gone through similar partnerships, whatever it may be. I mean, when you can find those reasons, I think you're more likely, you're still going to get those people who just tend to go away. Um, but I think on the whole, especially as you know, we get cold calls all the time from people, actually not as many as I would anticipate get a lot more cold emails than I do cold calls. But I would always be willing to give someone a listen if, if they can if they've done their homework, done their research, they know something relevant, then you're willing to give your time more because this I'm not just a number in a sequence or I'm not just a number in a sheet you're going through and calling. You know, you've done a little bit of homework about me, you've understood what I'm trying to do. And that's when I think cold calling can still be effective. Um, because ultimately the quickest way you're gonna find out if someone's got a need for your services just to talk to them. Uh, I love email sequences. I love the ability to, to you know, bring technology in and bring us loads of, you know, we work in technology. We, we do love it. But you, ultimately, you just can't replace talking to someone and going, what's going on with you? What are your pain points? Sure. Can I help you? The beauty of it as well is, like, I think most SaaS, anything like that, they're generally going into emerging markets, whatever that may be, you know, whether it's FinTech, Rectech, and Stealth Tech, whatever it may be. 
you know, these people are dealing within markets that are changing pretty much overnight. You know, blockchain, crypto, like whatever it may be, because these things go up and down, you know, all day and night. And actually, there's always like different news, different things to pick up on, different things to have conversations with. It's around then just broadening your, I suppose, exposure to it, but also your up-to-date knowledge. You know, each morning, you know, how's that changed? You know, what can I perhaps have a conversation about today? I think some of the best demos, best sales I've ever been involved with or done often aren't actually talking too much about the product or showcasing it. Yeah. It's actually more around the market, you know, what are we seeing? How can we be, you know, how are we being consultative to them? And actually then as a kind of a byproduct, you know, what's our product do now? It's it's fronting actually, you know, what's the what's the core issue and then and then plugging the, the gaps at the back. It's like the cliche, isn't it? People buy from people. So if someone sees you as a value partner and they can see you can add value to them, and yeah, whether it be the company you're in, just moving forward, if they think you'll only be someone that's going to be useful to them and understands them, they're more likely to buy from you. And I've got people who have never really been that relevant to me, have never been, you know, we've, we've had opportunities, we've spoken, but it's never come to fruition. And then I've moved to a different company that works in a completely different field, and all of a sudden we're, we're match made in heaven. But if I just got in, as you said, and I just told them exactly what at that time without building the value into me as an individual and that I know what I'm talking about. When I message them two, three years later, hey, look, do you remember me? You know, like, I'm doing this now, I think it could be really good. I know you've dealt with this in the past, X, Y, and Z. All of a sudden, then they're going to be willing to hear me out because they go, well, actually, when I last worked and spoke with them, they said, yeah, you did know what he's talking about. He's not, he didn't just you know, feature the whole product now. And then you've got that, that connection. And, um, I think that's quite undervalued, really. Um, from a lot of salespeople, because some people can just become number in a sequence, not really have that, that kind of the right word. Not friendship, because I can't say they're all my friends, but like that personal relationship. I'd like to be friends with Yeah, if they didn't sign on the last day of the month, then all of a sudden they're probably not my Christmas cards. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's just finding that, that, that relationship where you, you can mutually be beneficial to each other moving forward as well. Yeah, and I think, you know, ultimately as well, Whatever it is, he says, let's sell it. with people and people buy from people. Yeah, you know, some of the best conversations that you'll have. If there's a client local, take money for a beer. Ultimately, you sat there, somebody's had a couple of beers and they're, you know, a couple of gins, whatever it may be. You know, people tend to lose that. You'll have your best conversations then. And quite often, that's where you'll lead. You know, it's about getting personal with that person to a degree. Um, <laughs> you know, it's, it's about. You know, then putting a face to a name, a personality to it, and understanding that you're going to be there on that journey with them through that sale, through you know, partnership that's that's coming to fruition. Um, and often, I think probably COVID and all this nightmare has really taken that away from a lot of people. It's like I'll do a video call, do a video call. Yeah, but actually, it sometimes creates more of a barrier than what it needs to be. I tell you what, because I think this would be quite a good way to to wrap up. So, to be honest, we could probably just talk. <laughs> for hours because it's such a major part of the, the sales world but the one last point obviously with the purpose has been looking at cold calling techniques we've used to work it well recently we did have someone who went to cold call uh, no it wasn't cold call they did some outreach to uh, our marketing team and uh, to your point about you know go and have a beer or go and grab a coffee they sent them as part of it here's a meeting in a diary we want them to turn up for the demo we all know that booking the meetings only half of it leading to actually turn up um, 
here's a voucher for a coffee. Go and grab yourself a coffee from Costa, and I'll see you on the call. And it's a valid voucher. It's probably costing them, you know, maybe two pounds. They're probably buying it in bulk. But that two pound, and they spoke to us afterwards, and they said, yeah, we've seen a, a 60% increase that our demos attended because some people take the coffee voucher and run, some people never take coffees to themselves for the demo. On the whole, a lot of people would go and go, so free coffee. Well, the least I can do is go and listen to him out. And it's that, that thing of it becomes more informal. You sat there, we're having a coffee, we're having a beer, we're talking, we're doing whatever to, um, to build that, um, that relationship out. But, uh, Just making people relax. Again, there are people. Making them relax, you know, what's everybody's home comfort? Where, where are people most relaxed? Put them in that format, put them in that situation. Be amazed, like, like conversations over where you can actually start asking the difficult questions and ultimately find out you know, the information that you need. Yeah. Well, uh, I think it's probably time we wrap up there before uh, we go into another whole subject. We've got plenty more podcasts to come. But it uh, been really insightful. Appreciate you jumping on. And uh, no doubt we'll have you on some future episodes as well. Uh, maybe even as a host if we can, uh, if we can send you back at some point. Um, but we'll, we'll end it there. Pleasure as always. And then on that note, should we go and uh, grab a beer? Sure as always. <laughs> <laughs>